Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so happy to have you here on this beautiful morning. Uh, my name is Sarah Soboleski. I am uh, very happy to serve here on staff as the Director of Ministry and Mission. To look at my name tag to double check I'm getting it right. I have a couple of announcements to share with you this morning. The first is our theme for this year is Back to the Future. In the beginning was the word. And what that's about is we're going to really try to challenge ourselves as a community to spend a lot of time in the Bible, getting back to God's word. And there's a number of ways that you can join us in that effort. Uh, if you grab a bulletin, there is a printout of the readings for this week. Um, it's also available on the uh, PCUSA website, and there's a link to that. And in addition, there's an app called the Daily Prayer app. It is, there's a one-time fee of $3, and it's worth it because it's very easy to use. It's very intuitive, and it's helped me and my schedule that if I miss my time of devotion in the morning, that wherever I am, I have that app, and I can find the readings for the day. Uh, in addition to that announcement, I want to share that if you have a third grader or you know one, Miss Carol will continue our tradition of giving third grade Bibles out on September 26th at the 9 a.m. service. And then she has a class, orientation class for parents. Uh, so again, if you have a third grader or know one, please reach out to Miss Carol and she can uh, acquaint you with the details of that. This is the last week we're accepting photos uh, as part of our World Communion Sunday celebration. Genevieve is asking that you might send her a picture of you in your most favorite place in the world. I know for our teenagers, where a lot of them, that would be in Montreat. So send Ms. Genevieve a picture of you guys in Montreat or wherever in the world. Again, we want you in it, please. And um, you can do that in between now and Friday. She is also putting together a wonderful series of concerts at lunch, um, lunchtime. I think there's four in the fall and four in the spring, I want to say. Um, and so she has the information about that on our website if that's something that you would like to incorporate into your week. We have a ton of new members I want to tell you about. It's very exciting. I'm going to read through them, um, and we're going to put, give a very special hello to a couple of them who I believe are here with us, and I'll ask them to stand. First, we have Ka Cameron Goulash, then Evelyn and John Hodson, Luann and Rick Nelson. Are you here, Luann and Rick? Please say hello. Hello. Welcome. We're so happy to be in um, more formally in relationship and family with you. Welcome to Church of the Palms. And Randy and Oren Wiseman. And the Steiner family, Monica, Monica, Jeffrey, Max, and Claire. So I heard Max is here too. He's double dipping today. I saw him in the 9 o'clock. Look at that. He's an overachiever. <laughs> and then finally, Susan Gordon. So what a nice way to see our church family growing in this challenging time is really such a blessing. We're so grateful for that. So why don't you stand now? We're going to say good morning to one another. Maybe seek out someone you haven't had the opportunity to meet yet.
So as we gently make our way, slowly make our way back to our seats, um, I want to share and give a little context to what you're about to see. Yesterday was, of course, the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And uh, we are inviting you now to take a prayerful, quiet moment to reflect uh, as we watch the following video and, and remember that day.
Please stand. Who am I that 
Church of the Palms. It is so good to be with you all this morning in the house of the Lord. We just give thanks and praise for another beautiful Sunday. Amen? Amen. Well, if you call Church of the Palms home, if you call Church of the Palms your family, your congregation, we just want to remind you that there are several different ways that you can be supporting all of the various ministries that we do in our mission to love God 
and love neighbor. And those different ways are right there on the screen. Uh, If you do not call Church of the Palms home, maybe you are visiting with us this morning, we want you to just um, take everything in, um, see the way that the Spirit moves, and enjoy uh, service this morning. Uh, I want to invite our mic runners up this morning. We're at that time in our service where we get to share our praises and our prayers with one another. Over here. Y'all are good. Let me get one on this side here. Why don't y'all go ahead and introduce yourselves, your name, grade, school. Um, my name is Max Steiner. Um, I'm a senior at uh, ODA. My name is Clara May. I go to Sarasota High School. I'm in 11th grade. Fantastic. So they will come to you if you want to raise your hand. Uh, I want to go ahead and open this morning with a time of praises. Is there any, are there any, anybody who has a praise that we want to celebrate and give thanks for uh, this morning? Feel free to raise your hand. I want to thank God for a beautiful rainbow I saw this week that gives me hope. Yes, praise God for the different ways that hope enters into our world. I think I may have seen that same rainbow. (laughs) It was in the Publix parking lot, absolutely gorgeous. Thank you, Lord. Um, It's uh, praise um, as well as mixed with, we all remember 9-11 was yesterday. And um, in spite of all of that sorrow, we always know that hope takes root. And uh, knowing that goodness springs out of evil, you know, God makes, God brings good out of evil. And uh, yesterday we were blessed to be able to celebrate a birthday for a little boy. Um, So lots of praise and blessings on his family and that boy's life. And of course for, you know, all of us. All of us. Thank you. Yes. Praise God for the way that God most often moves in those most difficult situations. It's usually the time where we see God move in the greatest of ways, and we give praise and thanks for that. Yeah. Sorry I missed the rainbow. It always <laughs> reminds me of hope also. But uh, I have praise. We had some friends, a real good friend that had COVID, was in the hospital uh, for two weeks, I guess, close to ECMO. And... Uh, so she's recovered, did not need the ECMO, and she's out and doing well. And also reminds me of people that, family and friends that have passed from this pandemic. Yes, we give praise for healing, and that is a good transition into our time of prayer requests that we may respond with, Lord, hear our prayers, and we lift up all those who are still battling COVID, um, or for families and friends who have loved ones who have lost that battle with COVID. We pray this morning. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there other prayer requests? So a couple weeks ago, I asked for prayers for um, the brother of a childhood friend of mine who had gone into hospice, and, uh, and on Monday he passed away. Um, so just prayers for his family um, and that God's peace would surround him. What's that family's last name? Kelly. Kelly. We pray this morning for the Kelly family. Lord, hear our prayers. Are there others? I'd, I'd like to pray for um, my best friend's mom who has just been diagnosed with cancer this week, lung cancer. Do you know her name? Gina. 
We lift Gina up this morning and her recent diagnosis and all those who are continuing that terrible and difficult battle with cancer. Lord, hear our prayers. Um, Chris, who I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, just recently on Friday, passed away from COVID at 26. So we pray for his wife and his family. Yeah, we pray for Chris's family. Lord, hear our prayers. Let us pray together. God, there is so much in this world that we can give thanks for, so much in our world today that often goes unnoticed because your blessings have just become such a regularity in our lives, Lord. But may this week we notice the ways that you move, the small ways that you whisper to us, the small ways that you bless us that makes our life as joyful as it is. May we give thanks and praise for that and may we notice that in our lives this week and today, God. And God, we also come to you broken and frustrated and hurt and in pain and in mourning. And Lord God, we know that you have felt all of these emotions that we feel through Christ on the cross. God, you are with us and you are the ultimate healer, the ultimate peace giver, God, in all of the distress and brokenness in our world and in all of the sickness and pain, God, we ask that you work in these places. God, your movement is often most seen in the most difficult of places and we are asking you to move. That these difficulties that we lift up in prayer this morning become testimonies in our future. God, move in this space and move in this community, Lord. We need you here. May you continue to stir in our hearts and may you give us the courage and the power to be your light. God, to speak up when things need to be said, when people need to hear your word, and to lend an ear to hear when somebody just needs somebody to listen. Lord God, may you show us how we can be your light in our lives today and this week and in this community that we call home. And in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Hello, my name is Morgan Wilson. I'm a sophomore at Riverview High School. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea, Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do I say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah, and he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will indeed or for what will 
and profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life. Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my worlds and this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. I forgot my microphone and remembered about 15 seconds ago, so that's why I raced back there to come back up here. So, But usually when the preacher loses his microphone, it means it's the answer to most people's prayers. So um, <clears throat> let me pray for us. Let's pray. Thanks, O oh God, for this word just read. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that seeks to speak to us through such read word and through the word made flesh in Jesus, and we pray that we may have ears to hear and hearts to understand, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. One of the wonderful things about reading the Bible is that you're always discovering something new. There is so much in the Bible to learn and discover that there's absolutely no chance for you to exhaust its findings. There's always something else. I've been reading the Bible for a long time, been preaching and teaching on the Bible for close to 40 years, and there's always something that comes up. Something that comes up and I say, holy smokes, I never saw that. And one such example of this comes with a text that I just read to you, that was just read from the Gospel of Mark. Most of us know that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The last of the Gospels, John, is very different than the rest. John tells the story of Jesus very uniquely for very different purposes, less to summarize Jesus' life and more to emphasize the deeper meaning and teaching of Jesus. The first three, on the other hand, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we refer to as the synoptic Gospels. There's a word that you can remember to impress your friends. Synoptic Gospels, synoptic meaning synopsis, meaning summary. These are the Gospels that basically summarize the chronology of Jesus' ministry. Each of them have borrowed from each other and from other source materials to tell the story of Jesus. And in many respects, they are similar, these three synoptic Gospels, but in many respects, they're also different. And it's always interesting to note how differently each of the Gospel writers tells the story of Jesus, what they include, what they don't include, and even the way by which, the sequence by which they lay out the story story of Jesus. Mark, which we just heard from, is believed to have been the original gospel and was borrowed from by Matthew and Luke. So, I discovered something this week that I had never seen before, had always been there, but had never seen it before, and that is that when Mark tells the story about Jesus, asking the disciples about who they think he is, and Peter responding with his bold confession of faith, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, Mark precedes that story with a story that's unique to his gospel, the story of a blind man who receives his sight. I preached on that story a few months back, and what, was, what is so unique about that story is that the man receives his sight in stages. Jesus puts saliva on his eyes, and the man can first see, but he can only see a little. He sees people, but they look like trees So then it takes Jesus again, putting his fingers on his eyes before the man can see completely. 
Which is to say, sometimes it takes a while for God to fully open our eyes. Sometimes it takes a while for us to see what is right there in front of us. Which explains perhaps what happens in this story that was just read about Jesus and Peter. This is a turning point in Jesus' ministry. He's far up in the northern regions of Israel, and he's preparing to turn his face to Jerusalem, make his way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But before he does, he wants to hear from the disciples about what people think that he is. And a few of them venture some guesses and reveal some data points. But then Simon Peter steps forth and says, you're the one. You are the one. You're the one we've been waiting for for generations, for centuries. You are the Messiah. And in other Gospels, Jesus says, you got it. You are right. Blessed are you for seeing. Your eyes, like that blind man, have been opened. But then, Jesus goes on to explain a little bit more about what it means to be a Messiah. That the Messiah is going to Jerusalem. The Messiah will suffer at the hands of the elders. And the Messiah will be killed. And the Messiah will rise on the third day. Now, Peter doesn't see it that way. Peter doesn't believe that that's what Messiahs do. Peter will not see a suffering Messiah. It's not what Messiahs do. It's not in his Messiah paradigm. No Messiah suffers. No Messiah dies. No way, Jesus. Peter sees, but he can't see. It's all fuzzy. It's okay for the Messiah to heal and to teach and walk on water. Mm -mm. Not okay for the Messiah to suffer. And Jesus, in response, lets loose with this severest of all his rebukes. Get behind me, Satan. And then he says, Peter, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. You see, <laughs> but you can't see. So I want to talk for a minute about seeing and not seeing. About having your eyes opened Little by little by little. When I was 16 years old, I knew a lot. <laughs> I mean, I knew a lot. I was pretty impressed with what I knew. I knew how to drive. I knew about current events. I kind of knew how to bring about world peace. I knew a lot more than my parents. I knew just as much as God, and I was starting to doubt God. I knew that the St. Louis Cardinals were the best baseball organization in the world, and the Michigan Wolverines were the far superior college football team, especially compared to the team down south. At 16, I was fairly certain about things, most things, and I was very certain that adult things were dumb. I mean, they were just dumb. And all the things I knew, as it turned out, were very smart. I knew people I had to impress. I knew people I did not have to impress. I knew who to ignore. I knew so 
much when I was 16. And then in a very short sequence of time, the following things happened. Two of my teachers called me in and told me I was on the verge of failing. And then my girlfriend dumped me. And then I wrapped the family car with the family in it around a telephone pole and put my mother in the hospital. Hmm. And then my basketball team went on to, win, to lose nine straight games. Hmm. And somewhere along that way, I began to entertain the surprising thought that maybe, just maybe, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. I was learning things I didn't know were there to be learned. I'll say that again. I was learning things I didn't know were there to be learned. I was seeing, but I had so much more to see. One of the joys of ministry is being given the chance to perform the marriage of a couple. And it is so much fun to perform weddings for couples. I love it. And what most pastors will tell you, and I would agree, is that the part we enjoy most is not even the wedding itself, which is fun in itself, but the conversations that take place leading up to the wedding, what we call pre-marriage counseling. It is so fun to talk with a couple about their relationship, about their love, about their commitment, about their hopes, about their dreams. And every couple, at least that I've married, thinks they know more than they really know. They know more about love, they know more about each other, they know more about commitment. They think they know more about all those things than they really do know. And for the most part, there's no convincing them otherwise, that when they promise to each other that they will be each other's loving and faithful spouse in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, that they really won't know what that means until further down the road. They see, but there's more to be seen. They will learn things that they didn't know were there to be learned. So there's good old Peter. He's been walking around with the same rabbi for a couple of years, and he's been seeing things he's never seen before, and it's taken him finally to the point of discovering something that he never thought he'd ever discover, and that is that the Messiah is right here. God has shown up in the person of Jesus, that the one who is right there in front of him and has been for two years is the one. Amazing how you can see something or someone right there in front of you but not see them. Like when I'm looking for butter in the refrigerator. (laughs) Peter sees Jesus, but he doesn't see Jesus. Now here's the thing. When Peter's eyes are open and he sees the Messiah, what he doesn't know is that his eyes are not open all the way. There are things to learn that he doesn't know need to be learned that messiahs suffer, that this messiah suffers because this messiah is love. The king of kings is a loving king, and the king of love is a suffering king. In fact, the very nature of love is the willingness to suffer for another. But you don't know that about love right away. It's not something you learn until later. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The the apostle writes, love never ends. I knew two sisters who thought they loved each other. And they did for as much as they knew about love. 
But then, as they approached middle age, one of the sisters developed kidney disease. And the only way to avoid lifelong dialysis or death was to have a kidney transplant. And lo and behold, it was her sister who was the perfect match. So the perfectly healthy sister gives up a perfectly healthy kidney so that her other sister could live. And transplant surgery on either side is no fun. And it hurts. And it's hard to recover from. And it leaves the giver vulnerable. But she does it. And they both tell me later, we thought we knew what love was, but we didn't know until we suffered together. Love is not something you learn until you suffered a bit. A father friend of mine would agree, he who sat up endless nights with his little girl, sick with leukemia, holding her when she could not be comforted. He who stood post at her bedside as the doctors informed them that there was nothing more to be done. He who watched her breathe her last. I never knew, he said, what love was until now. So Peter tells Jesus that messiahs don't suffer. And Jesus says, oh, you see just a little, but you don't know what you're not seeing. Love always suffers. Maybe it's what Aeschylus, the great poet, was saying when he wrote, God whose law it is that he who learns must suffer, and even in our sleep pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart, and in our own despair against our will comes wisdom to us by the awful grace of God. And for God, wisdom always comes through love. So God appears always through love. God's glory always is revealed in love. Jesus mounts the cross, and in the most surprising of all places, a death chamber, God throws back his arms and reveals his love. Flannery O'Connor, the great 20th century short story writer and novelist, wrote an essay once about peacocks. O'Connor raised peacocks on her Georgia farm because for her they were a sign and symbol of God. She wrote that usually when a peacock does his thing, lifts and widens his long back feathers, the response from those who witness it is silence. Silence. Stunning silence. And you've seen peacocks and the response, and it's amazing what you see. But peacocks, O'Connor goes on to say, are not usually doing their thing. You have to wait. You have to wait and watch. And most don't want to wait. Most grow tired of waiting. They leave and hope that maybe someday when they come back, it will happen. And if they've never seen a peacock do his thing, they just can't imagine what it might be. But when it happens, silence. In one of O'Connor's short stories, a clergyman witnesses a peacock unfurling his feathers and says, Christ will come like that. 
Which is to say, I suppose, that Christ is the one we wait for, and Christ is the one who reveals to us that which we do not know. And what Christ reveals most is the nature of God's love. And Christ teaches us things about love we never knew were there to be learned. And Christ invites us to love like we never knew we could love, by giving of our lives, by giving of our kidneys, by giving of our passion, by giving of our very all, by suffering with those who suffer. For this is love that we can never know until further down the path. The love that springs on us with his furling feathers that if we wait long enough, we see. If you love someone long enough and deep enough, suffering will come. And we will learn that we didn't know was there to be learned. Richard Selzer, a plastic surgeon, tells the story of a patient whose surgery under his hand did not go as planned, the result being a nerve in her face mistakenly severed and her mouth unable to straighten. Selzer recounts the moment at her bedside along with her husband when he delivers to her the bad news. The young woman speaks, Will my mouth always be like this? Yes, he says, it will. It's because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But then the young man, the husband, smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. Dr. Selzer continues, all at once I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze for one is not bold in an encounter with a God. Unmindful, the husband bends to kiss her crooked mouth, and I so close can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate to hers, to show her that their kiss still works. And I remember, he continues, that the gods appeared in ancient Greece as mortals. And I hold my breath and let the wonder in. There are things to be learned that we do not yet know are there to be learned. We see, but there's more to be seen. We love, and with love comes suffering, wisdom, from the awful grace of God, all for those who wait. For love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things, love never ends. Let us pray. We thank you for your never-ending love for us, O oh God. And we thank you for this gift of love that we spend a lifetime learning about. And we pray, O oh God, that through your love, our love for one another may never have an end. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest 
and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.